Yes, coming in hot with episode 42 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean and I'm joined by a man whose new favourite number is the number nine, Jobber. Oh, you, mate? It's good to be alive, isn't it? Um, as I was telling you last week, Ollie's a genius. Um, Dan James is a Welsh Messi. Martial looks like a Thierry Henry incarnate. How about the boys, eh? Oh, it must have been tough against that nine man. <laughs> Little slugs, um, show them. So look, that's a, that's a. Let's get straight into it. Give us a flavour, and then I'll oh. rip over an opening question. All right. So we got flavour first up, which is an opening question. We got some weekly happenings. A big week, actually. Some weird things happening off the pitch. Um, full review of the week that was, and then of course we've got this big weekend coming up too. Um, where we could have a title decider on our hands um, and then we're off into socials. So let's crack in, opening question, go. All right, so as you have earlier alluded to, Southampton debutant Yannick Witz. So he was a debutant. He also handed in a transfer request last week because he wanted more game time. Was sent off after 79 seconds, one of only four players to be sent off in the first two minutes. So, look, that brought back memories from every young Roy Keane. And I was thinking, what's the most memorable sending off, outside of this one, of course, because it's going to go down in history, what's the most memorable sending off you've ever seen? Um, yeah, a quick, quick backstory on this too is um, his agent came out during the week and said, um, you know, we're sick of it, not getting enough game time. Um, we want to get out of the club so we can play more game time. Finally gets a start. And what were we saying? 75 seconds in? 79, yeah. Gets a strawberry. Jeez, that's classic, isn't it? Um, so I've probably gone. I've got a. I've got a favourite, and then I've got an honourable mention. And mine are a lot more violent than those last two. Um, so you got to remember Roy Keane's tackle on Alfinger Harlan, which was the career ender, which was revenge from um, two years ago. Yeah, I love a red card. You have to plan. Straight red. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one out of the black book for Keno. Um, and then I also really enjoyed, but was really saddened by. Um, Eric Cantona's uh, volley to the guy's head <laughs> in the front row. Um, that has to be an honourable mention. I mean, to go off the field, volley someone's head, get back onto the field, then get sent off um, for an act that you didn't actually complete on the field needs to be mentioned as well, I think. So, yeah, what have you got? So, I've got an honourable mention for me goes for um, a childhood hero of mine, Duncan Ferguson. Um, so he was actually playing for Rangers and he headbutted the centre-back in the corner. That was a favourite of mine just because I love Big Dunk. But my favourite red card ever was because um, as a youngster watching this, I think it was 15 years ago, um, Lee Boyer and Kieran Dyer had a fight on the pitch. Yeah. It's, it still remains like the – I still can't get my head around what happened. Like I've seen you have a bit of a tantrum when someone doesn't pass you the ball, but I thought this was next level. Um, and he so, – bit of a, bit of a couple of words and then – um, Dyer said to Lee Boyer, the reason I don't pass to you is because you're shit. And then it was on. Um, so two teammates going at it, finally. That's my favourite red card ever. Still, even when I watch it now, I'm like, I can't believe this happened. Yeah, I mean, there's no surprise that um, players come to blows, but it normally happens in the dressing room after or at halftime. So. <laughs> or if they're on the other nice. team. <laughs> Yeah, nice to see it live. <laughs> it was good. So, oh, look, massive week um, off the pitch as well. So, Ajax Amsterdam goalkeeper Andre Onana has been suspended for 12 months for doping. Have you seen this? I haven't seen this, no. Ah, so, you got a 12-month ban for doping. Traces of banned substance 
furosemide. So I'm a chemist part-time there. So I think it's furosemide. We found in the Cameroon International's urine during an out-of-competition test on the 30th of October. Okay, what's that supposed to do in um, increased recovery or muscle or what's it supposed to do? Uh, furosemide is exactly how it's pronounced. Um, it's a diuretic. Oh, trying to get the weight down. Yeah, treat fluid buildup due to heart failure, liver scarring, or kidney disease. Yeah. And kidney disease is quite common in um, Africa too, so it could be something to do with that. But it's a banned substance, so he's out for twelve months. Jeez, that's that's a bit harsh, isn't it? It is. It is. Like I don't, I don't die, really can't be that bad. Um, Shame one did it. He looks great. Yeah, look at him now in the hats too. Exactly. Um, so, Ajax weren't done yet. So they failed to register Sebastian Haller for the Europa League. Ah, bloody hell, what a week, eh? Oh, jeez. How's the admin over at Ajax? Oh, so record Record signing um, and essentially the highest level of competition that you play in, you forget to register him. I wonder if the doctor and the, um, the bloke who registers the players in the same team might even be the same person by the sounds of it. Um, Could be. So, so the next big one is Ruben Neves. Miss, you actually showed me this. Ruben Neves missed the birth of his third child to play. Good from Neves, or are you are you unhappy with that you're a family man? Nah, I'd I'd say that's rather professional by the um, by the Wolves front man. Yeah, he's got three Cause... kids. He's only played he's only played like five hundred football games, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I've got um, I've got a little quote here from Neves. Um, he still hasn't seen his wife or the baby, as he as he would have had to miss some games. He says, "quote It's my job." Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows. Um, so the last one, and this one is my personal favourite. So Andreas Viash Boas. So I actually <laughs> like just saying his name the most. Um, has been so he was suspended by his club Marseille um, after this is a direct quote. I submitted my resignation saying I did not agree with the sporting policy. I don't want anything from RM uh, from OM Olympic Marseille. I don't want money. But basically, they signed a midfielder Nicham from Celtic, and then <laughs> ABV said to the press conference, "He is a player that I had said no to. He was not on our list, and he came, so he just resigned on the spot." So, how, how do you feel if you're the player? What's his name? Nicho. Nicham. Nicho. Nicham. How'd you feel if you're him? Where the manager's come out and publicly said, don't sign him. I don't want him. He won't be in my plans. The club <laughs> go and sign him. You're unaware of this. And then it comes out in the press conference two days later. I, I imagine like as soon as the transfer window opens up, he's gone again. Jeez. That's, good from that's his agent, but like good due diligence from his agent to confirm that, oh, yeah, you know, you've got a spot here. You know, on FIFA, when you sort of sign players and you have to go through those five steps and you sort of can, I think they split yeah. a couple of them. That's like, mm. what what part do you want in the squad? And the coach, oh, no, 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 like I don't want you. Um, I've never seen that option pop up. Regular starter or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, regular squad member. So, yeah, bad news for him. But, look, let's get into it. Premier League review. Where else to start? I'll segue us in. Manchester United, nine. That's right, a Premier League record, nine. Southampton, nil. We don't have time to go through all the goals. We'd have to do, like, a couple of – bit of a mini-series. But what did you make of this game? Well, it's – it's really all defined initially by the red card, 75 seconds in, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't think 
going into this game that everyone thought Manchester United were going to batter them um, sort of man for man. So I think obviously that set the tone for, for the rest of the game. It's just it's crazy that you've sort of got two nine nils to choose from when you're talking about Southampton. Like not yeah. so long ago, they had the Leicester Leicester debacle where they got battered nine nil as well. Um, but interestingly, as the goals flew in, like there was just no real resistance from Southampton. And at the end of the game, I think like across other media outlets and stuff like that, there was no real discussion about Ralph's spot. Yeah. Do you find that odd? Because, I mean, when they got batted 9-0 about against Leicester, everyone was like, that's it. He needs to get sacked right now before he leaves the stadium. Um, but he, he did well and turned it around. And he gets batted 9-0 again. And, yeah, I don't really find many people saying, oh, he needs to needs to resign. What Do you think that's because everyone sort of knows and there's proof there that he can come back from a 9-0 and, and get some damage done? Um, or what, what do you think the reason is? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really think about that. Like, I think they just um, exactly. I'd That's say, my point. I'd right? say, yeah, I'd say just because he's been there before and he bounced back so well. Like, it's it's not like I know it's like oh, you got a red card in the seventy ninth second, but you can't just capitulate like that. Like they should. Like it, it was just so easy for Manchester United to score towards the end. There. Granted, they got went down to nine men, which is ridiculous. Um, but they just absolutely capitulated. Like no effort. Like. You got to lock it up, like do you know what I mean. Like if you lose three or four nil, yep, okay, bad luck. Well, we had a player set off early, but nine nil, like that's surely that's not acceptable. No, it's not acceptable. But I think where is the um, like training that they would have done to go and play sort of ten against eleven? Like how many times, even at the level that we've played at, do you do sessions and tactics on? Um, on how to play when you're down to ten men and, and they've got eleven, what 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 you do, how you how you sort of counter, how you tuck in and stuff like that, and vice versa, you sort of do scenarios that where your team's got eleven and you're playing against ten and how to break a ten man team down. So I can't understand why they wouldn't have done or sort of resorted to some of those learnings or tactics at some point. Mm. Like especially what are we thirty four minutes in and it's three nil, um, and you've got you're down to ten men away from home, like, and you've just got those scars of not so long ago losing 9-0, you think, that, as you say, at that point, you'd stop sort of trying to counterattack, um, just lock it down, get to half time, um, and then just try and build into the game. But they didn't, did they? They just no. remained open. And United looked like they were going to score every time they went forward. Yeah, if they were better, like if that was Man City, it could have been 15. Um, so happy enough with the red card? Oh, I thought it was... Yeah, I think so. I mean, he left a couple of stud marks on his thigh, which is generally a pretty good indicator of a, a red card. Yeah, I think it was a red card. And the second days, red yeah. card, happy with that? Yeah, that's a red card too, don't you think? I, I, I am not convinced he touched him, and Martial goes down fairly easily. Um, uh, but it, it seemed harsh in the circumstances, but I suppose the rules don't change in the circumstances. The rules yeah. are rules. So, um, yeah. But I think the... It's not like it's not a red card because of the heavy contact, like the first one. Yeah. It was a red card because of the context of where and how it was done. Yeah, Does yeah, that make sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's like I don't really have a problem with it, but I don't really want to spend too much time on this one. Um, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different goal scorers. Martial gets a double. Jan Bednarak gets an own oh, goal to go with his red card. Jan Bednarak had the worst game ever. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> 
just on on the headlines alone, he's got the own goal and the red card, right? Yeah. And then, but just some of some of his defending and stuff was just horrendous too. Yeah, mm. it was it was, a t- it was a tough day for him. Um, Saints in real trouble. Like they've got a bunch of injuries plus two red cards now. Um, it's looking pretty tough for Southampton. That doesn't look good. But then on vice versa, I look. I think you, if you look over at Manchester United, yeah, start to get um, get that goal even <laughs> swung back around from the Spurs drumming that they got once upon a time at the start of the season. So, <laughs> we'll come yeah, back to that later because that seems like a lifetime will go. It does, doesn't it? Um, but they're trending in different directions, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Saints, Saints, I'm really surprised Saints didn't bring someone in January. But let's move on. So the other game that was running concurrently to this one was Newcastle United 1, Crystal Palace 2, Hodgson versus Bruce. What did you make of this one? Uh, I was a bit disappointed for Newcastle, especially after um, the week before um, and Callum Wilson's double getting it done. But, yeah, I think I was a bit disappointed in Newcastle's performance, especially with the good start they made with uh, Shelby. The start, the start like, so I was watching Manchester United and Southampton and this was at the same time and they have that um, goal rush thing and that game started unbelievably. Like, they were flicking over to that every minute. Like, John Joe Shelby gets them going after two minutes and you're like, wow, Newcastle have turned a corner. But then a um, couple of chances and then all of a sudden, uh, Reed Wild scores and then Gary Cahill with a brilliant header to put him in front and that's how it finished. But Newcastle had 21 shots. Like they've got to score more goals from twenty-one shots, don't they? Yeah, that that's not that's not that good. But I think it's just as I said, it's just a bit shocking, and disappointing that Callum Wilson can go and do that. Um, then they have all those um, chances, as you mentioned. Ryan Fraser had some chances as well, and and just can't convert any. But Brucey changed his um, lineup too. He's gone with a four-three-one-two setup, mm. which is a bit exotic for Brucey. Thank you. Yeah, think? go back to your eight-one-one. Yeah, whereas whereas um, your boy and the oldest manager in the Premier League's just gone for a classic four four two. Yeah, which is good because it frees up Zaha to take players on. Um, easy, impressive again. Man of the match, easy. And as you say, Zaha impressive, but injured. Oh no! Sixty minutes, he gets taken off. No one likes to see that. No, and that's a problem for Palace because they started with um, two less players on the bench as well. They've got some. <laughs> they've got some real woes. I didn't know they started with two less players on the bench. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't think Roy's trying to make a statement either. I think it's just bare bones down there. Roy just out of touch with the youth and one of those seventeen-year-olds he wasn't happy with. I reckon Roy would play him anyway. He seems like the type of manager. But great result for Palace. So Shaw's up there, spot gives them a lot of breathing space now. So fifteen points from Fulham. So Fulham would now need to win five games without Palace winning any to get anywhere near that relegation spot. So yeah, they so say, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, so I suppose I was going to say um, Palace are safe, aren't they? But obviously they're not going to do any damage any higher up. So I think they're sort of um, in no man's land and we're, we've, still, we've still got 18 games left or 16 games left, depending on which team you are. So moving on, so Sheffield United 2, West Bromwich Albion 1. Um, more points for Sheffield United. They're in an absolute landslide of points at present compared to the rest of their season. Two, uh, three wins out of the last five. Um, the big moment in this one is most pleasing things. I love to see a fan of the club score the winner when they need it. And Billy Sharp came good for him, didn't he? Yeah, the best striker in Sheffield, they say. Um, good good finish and like a, a striker or a poacher's goal, really, wasn't it? 
yep. just got his toe in there and, and sliced it across the, the keeper for a nice finish. He remains their, their top goal scorer. Um, but what do you think of Sheffield United? I mean, I think in my head they were already relegated. Um, but can they sort of make a show of it? And I don't know if they'll be able to climb out of the relegation spots, but can they sort of get above West Brom or Fulham? What do you so think? if they keep trending at their current rate with 16 games remaining and they win every second game, that would get them up to 35 points, um, which I think would be enough to keep them up. Do I think they'll do that? Absolutely not. Yeah, teams have been relegated with 42 points, so 35 just seems a bit low, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so they need to, they need to do on some sort of run. But the thing about Sheffield United where you can't sort of rule them out is last season for them was based so um, rigidly on winning games 1-0. And, like, they don't – like, you don't just forget how to do that. So, so they do have the capacity to do that better than Fulham and West Brom. Yeah, 100%. So they'll like they'll never blitz a team. As you say, they'll grind out a result. So I think one thing I was reading um, last week was that um, in terms of their next G outcomes um, or XG outcomes, sorry, which is like projected goals from certain positions. So if you're shooting from a tight angle, like 40% of those shots go in and essentially they're having shots from that angle um, and only scoring, you know, 10% of them. So they were the lowest performing team on the xg stats um mm. and at that time um that, that the article come out spurs were top of it and they were top of the table so they were sort of outperforming like their expected goals um yeah right ratio. so i think that sort of it kind of makes sense when you look at um Sheffield united's results because they're always losing the game or, or dropping points or something like that just by the odd goal so um, yeah, to get that turned around, which is, I think, what we're seeing now. It's starting to level out over the course of the season. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what Brighton stats for that up. But let's move on to uh, the next game. So I was almost sucked into believing that Arsenal had turned a corner in the last couple of weeks. Performance improved. Good point against Manchester United. Started winning some games. I think they've won two out of the Oh, they've, they've won or drawn four out of the last five or something around those lines. Um, but... David Luiz, every time you think that he's turned the corner, something crazy happens to him, doesn't it? Wolves what do you think, man, man of the match or not? For Wolves? <laughs> no, um, man of the match, David Luiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, um, it was crazy, wasn't it? So they, I thought they'd turned a corner, but then like something happened. So they started this game against Wolves really strongly. So Saka had a couple of chances in there, but... Well, the talking point's got to be the red card and then the second red card. So first, what did you think of David Luiz's red card? Was it a red card and did he actually do anything? And the second one is Burton Leno. What is going on there? Yeah, funny hell, Leno. Um, well, let's let's do the first one first. So I think if he makes contact, that is a red card. It's just a matter of whether he did or didn't make contact, I suppose. Yeah. So that's really what we're debating, not whether it was a red card because I think if he touches him, it's a red card. So I don't know. I've watched it a few times and I, there's no, it's not really clear to me. What do you think? Um, I, I Again, I'm in the same boat. I, I just don't have an angle that tells me that he actually touched him. But I suppose either way, and the referee said, yep, he touched him. And you're, you're assuming William Jose would do the right thing and – not go down without being touched at all. Um, that, that's what that's what I think. So I think that 
um, he's got no reason to go down because he's on the other side of Luis and he's got the ball. So, he can essentially have a shot and, and finish. Like, it's not as if he overran it or anything like that or had a heavy touch. Like, it was there to finish. So, he's got no reason to go down yeah. um, and, and fake something where, especially when he knows VARs around, it's not as if, like, the referee, if you, the referee's running and, and he's behind them and he's got Luis in front of him um, and then um, Jose in front of him, yeah. He's not going to be able to see anything. So, and I think the rule is if if they're not playing the ball, it's a red card. So just to stop that, like cynical professional foul, you know the mm. ones Man City commit um, whenever anyone gets on a counter attack, like yeah, those Scott, Scott McTominay, yeah, those ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So that. So like for me, if he's made contact, yep, red card. Um. Louise got himself into a poor position, but the second one from Burnt Leno, absolute <laughs> stonewall red card. <laughs> this is such a thing to happen to Arsenal this season, isn't it? Yeah, but don't worry. They've got Matt Ryan on the bench. No, hang on. They don't. He's ready. They he's don't ready. have him on the bench. He's ready. He, he, did, he wasn't on the bench. They didn't even play him. Yeah, they're arresting him because they knew Leonard would get set off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, <laughs> Arsenal finished the game with nine men. Well, let's talk about the goal from Wolves. Montenegro. Oh, I, sorry, I forgot in all this musings. Oh, my God. What a strike. What a strike. That's worthy of winning any game. Just, just The clip of the post just makes it look so much better as well. Well, yeah. if that flies in, that's still a cracker. But because it cracks against the post and then um, rolls across the back of the net, makes it look even better. What a strike. Yeah, great goal from Matinho. Um They've got players that can do that, Wolves. I know it's like a... Fairly broad statement, but like Ruben Neves, Yao Moutinho, like they can strike balls like that from midfield consistently, and it's just great to see. Um, Saka with a disallowed goal, which is a bit uh, disappointing, but I thought he played well again. Yeah, another good performance from him. He looks like he started the game like a house on fire, and I was like, he's going to take this game away from Wolves. But um, yeah, just a couple of crazy decisions back there. But he's just looking so promising. Is he on your plane in? Is it June the Euros this year? June, July, I think. Yeah, I think he is. I, I'd chuck him on the plane. Yeah. You're thinking like a Theo Walcott type scenario? Oh, no, that's a, that is disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, he's probably a little bit better than Theo. But moving on. So, great result for Wolves. They go up to 14th. Arsenal stay 10th, I believe. So, now they're within touching distance of Arsenal, just five points behind. But let's move on to Liverpool nil. Brighton won. What did you make of this one? Is Klopp's job is it is it on the line here? No, I don't think so. Should it's it definitely be? not on the line. No, it shouldn't be. Okay. Um, so although Brighton looked strong early, I think they started like defensively they looked um, rather robust and they looked dangerous when they were counter attacking as well. So um, again, Liverpool just don't look that sharp in the front third, do they? They like just the the movement and the the ideas just seem to be lacking. The amount of crosses that they're whipping into to essentially no one or to the advantage of um, like Duncan Webster. I mean, it just seemed crazy that they kept doing that over and over. And yeah. how many times have we said this about Liverpool to doing that? So I felt like this was, like I know Liverpool have been um, sort of scratching along for a couple of weeks without firing. Like I think one of the problems they're having is that teams are parking the bus against them like completely. Um, 
and they're struggling a little bit with that. But I don't think Brighton parked the bus as much as other teams have. Against them, like Brighton genuinely, genuinely tried to play football, and obviously that's quite difficult against Liverpool. But um, no Sadio Mane, which I think is really hurting them. I think he's the, like of the front three, he's the one that I think gives them the most overall. Like Salah gives the most goals, but I think Mane's like running game and his intensity. Closings. Yeah, closing, all those things. I think that really adds up. And I think like everyone knows he's a star, but I think we're we're really starting to see now just how important he is to this Liverpool team. Mm. Um, and it was I was really disappointed with Thiago Alcantara. Um, he was these are the games that he was brought in for. Like to break teams down and to keep it moving. And like he was good but um, I thought his delivery in the box wasn't the sharpest. Yeah, well, see, I, I thought they played him in games like this where, especially late on, where Brighton are tucked in. I know you said mentioned that they weren't doing that for the whole game, but once they were 1-0 um, up with sort of 10 minutes to go, they very much were doing that and just trying to count every now and then, but only in a couple of small numbers. But anyway, um, I think they should try and play him higher there, like getting further up the pitch instead of, trying to play balls from the sixth position, play balls from the sort of eight and the ten position. I think he can do more damage by doing that. But, yeah, he seems to be sort of out in the sixth spot, just sort of spraying it across the field, playing relatively safe passes every now and then. He dips one inside. Um, and when he finds himself out wide, he just, yeah, as I said, plays those chip balls into the the two centre-backs who just eat that up. And, I mean, most never going to jump over one of them and score a header. So, yeah, it, just, it did seem a bit odd. But, um Adam Lallana come on, played against his old team and Klopp said afterwards that um, it's hard to miss him because everyone in the squad still speaks to him every week. Really? There you go. That's Mm. nice. But um, great result for Brighton. Liverpool's horrible record without Van Dijk and Alisson continues. They are now fourth. Fourth. Um, (laughs) Got Man City this week. And West Ham are within striking distance, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And but like, what do you think Klopp needs to do? Does he need to sort of change his formation to shake things up? Does he maybe need to instead of going three up top, going two up top, and make it two sort of genuine strikers? And what what do you think? I think I think we can come back to this in a minute because I think we've got to got to talk about the preview to what is their next game. Um, and I think this that might give us the answer because I think I don't think I would change the system. The system works, um, but he needs to get uh, he needs to get so he needs to change something. Not heaps like they're not. It's not panic stations just yet, but they've set the bar so high that he needs to do something about it. I don't think the two centre backs he saw in this week are going to be the answer either. So let's go. Let's move on to what you said was the uh, game of the week. Aston Villa one, West Ham three. What are we going to talk about? Baby. <laughs> Do you regret it? That is my question to you. Do you regret it? No, no, absolutely oh, not. Don't lie. Don't absolutely lie. not. No, look, good Crying. for Jesse Lingard. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, no, good for Jesse Lingard. Good seeing him back playing football. He's had some personal stuff off the field. And the what, what, what is those personal things? Like, everyone keeps telling me he's had all these personal things. I think, he's, I think his mum was sick. For a long time, um, she's okay. quite unwell. So I think that's been it. And obviously the brand hasn't taken off to the level you want it to be. I know you've got all the Jalen's gear, but not everyone does, mate. I blame the iconic for that. But oh. yeah, well, it's their shipping. Um, anyway, so look, two goals from Jalen's and one from um, everybody's favourite Thomas Suchek. 
Oh, he's on the Conn's score sheet again. He can't stop scoring. So he's got eight goals now. So he's got the most goals in the Premier League for a midfielder, not including penalties. Crazy, isn't it? What a player. Good stat. Good stat. Good stat. Um, but yeah, look, great three points here for West Ham because Villa are towards the top of the table and almost a Champions League rival for West Ham right now. But West Ham impressive again. And the difference for me is just having Mikel Antonio in there. What do you think? Yeah, well, I disagree with the Villa <laughs> Champions League challenges. I think they're more um, Europa style. Um, they are down in ninth, to, to be fair. But <clears throat> no, I thought West Ham were good. I think West Ham have really surprised me recently. Um, a good run of form. And I think Moisey's done really, really well. I know he hasn't had um, Antonio for um, big parts of the season. I know Suchek um, has been injured. Um, and he's sort of got to manage sort of not bringing Noble out and Declan Rice in all the time and sort of changing that, that captaincy and, and sort of that um, talisman as well this season. So I thought he's done rather well. Um, they are in fifth and looking pretty good. So, yeah, based on that, does Moisey deserve a bigger job, say like a, you know, Manchester United or something? <laughs> uh, settle down, settle down, settle down. But look, what he the did do, what, mate. He, what he did do, and is quite noticeable, is he's got um, he's got a solid foundation in that team. So you can sort of set the team up around Ogbonna, Dawson at the back, and then Declan Rice and Suchek in the midfield, who are just like so defensively stout. Um, and then that front four, like obviously you can't rely on Mikel Antonio, but. Ben Rama, Lingard, Fredericks. He also had Yarmolenko, Lanzini, Fornells, and Bowen on the bench. So, like, their squad is looking quite strong, which which sort of makes me think that Moisey's not only got him into that, like, Everton-type position that he previously had Everton in, but he's also, like, building a, a pretty strong squad. Like, to bring Jared Bowen off the bench, I've been really impressed with him this year. Um, so, I, like, I don't see why they can't stay in that sort of fifth position, even push that top four maybe not break in but certainly push them yeah well i think i think it's probably possible that they could break into the top four i don't think it's likely but if they did i, th- I think champions league football is just too soon for them yeah but they're building do you agree build, yeah but they're, they're building, building towards that yeah so i think that they probably need to take the europa step for a season and then build from there and then go into into that top four if that's what they want to do i think if you jump straight into the top four often you you find teams sort of spit straight back out of the um not only the Champions League spots, but the Europa spots and find themselves mid-table the next season because it's just too much. You've got to build your squad from sort of no European football to like the creme de la creme of European football. Um, and it's just it's such a short period of time to, to do that and especially when there's no guarantee of it, of it the year after. You could be lumped with all those wages if you don't make it um, the next season. So, yeah, it's a critical time for, for West Ham. Um, and like Leicester made sort of that jump what two years ago now, after winning the winning the title a couple of years before that, Spurs had, had made that um, that jump sort of a little bit more gradual as well. So I think that's probably best for West Ham. Yeah, well, Moisey, Moisey's like got us talking about their football again. We're not talking about the crap that's going on, like Karen Brady's stadium integration or what's it, the the dildo boys or whatever they're called, the owners. The dildo um, boys. Yeah, yeah. So like we're not talking. We're talking about what they're doing on the pitch, which is just like it's such a. It's such a big step from them because they were an absolute banter club for a bit there. Yeah. I mean, and that really says something too because there are some big distractions off the pitch Massive. like that weird-ass running track. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so great result for West Ham. So the Hammers are in fifth. They've won their last three, three points behind Liverpool, two points above Chelsea. Um, so let's move on. So Leeds United won Everton too. So we got to see a full 
gamut of leads, defending, attacking, a nice volley from Alioski, but a Calvert-Lewin header was the difference. Are they back on track, Everton? Oh, I wouldn't say they're back on track. I mean, Calvert-Lewin, that's his first goal in nine games or something like that, I think. So, yeah, I think they have to do more to convince me um, that they're going to be back on track. Yeah. But a good win and a good step in the right direction, especially against um, a Leeds team who definitely looked up for it um, this week again. So, Yeah, a good performance. Um, another goal from Rafinha for Leeds. He's proving to be quite the signing, but Carlo's got the boys purring. They are up to seventh, and they have two games in hand on Liverpool. If they win both those, they could go above Liverpool into fourth. Not a bad shout. But they're just too patchy. So I think Everton, uh, um, Everton's form is kind of Leeds' form on steroids. So they're, they're a little bit – get a few more wins than Leeds, but they're just so up and down still. So I'm not sure what that is. Like their squad doesn't seem that young to the point where you'd expect those type of performances, which is what you do expect from Leeds with um, their squad being so young and them being new to the Prem. I think it's a little bit more excusable. Yep, so big game for Everton coming up, and we'll touch on that later. But I think the most predictable result of the week, Burnley nil, Manchester City 2. Was there anything to take away from this game other than Manchester City are very good? Uh, no, I think City, have, I feel like they've gone into that robot mode um, that they go into where you know exactly what they're going to do. They play a very predictable style, but still something that you can't stop. Um, they look nice and fit. They look settled. Um, they look like they're sort of enjoying their football a little bit better. Interestingly, um, Stones, Diaz, and Laporte played. Um, and so Laporte got sort of shipped out to, to left back, which is a little bit unusual. I think he, recently he's been um, left out of, of that, um, and he's played Stones and Diaz at centre-back. Uh, and before that, Stones had a big um, a big time out of the team and he played DS and Laporte next to each other. So he sort of found a way to squeeze those three in all together. Um, I think obviously there's a big game coming up for City um, and I think that'll really sort of make things clearer on the title. But I'm not sure if there's anything else to discuss uh, in this game other than the um, Dosh interview after the game. Did you see this? No, what's Daishi said now? I, I love Daishi. He had a good... Is this not the one about who he looks like, is it? Yeah, it's a lookalike. Oh, man. shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> said, what does he say? He looks like Chris Evans. He's like yeah. Jay Bond, isn't he? But unusually, um, I think the part of the world that we're from, we call it um, like a lookalike. He calls it looky-lucky. <laughs> Look at your, you play looky lucky now at the pub. Looky lucky. Like a, sounds yeah. like a five year old. So, yeah. So, oh, he's, <laughs> he's a funny bloke. But Manchester City now have won 13 straight. Um, they've scored 33 goals and conceded three in that time. Um, Jeez, so. that's. That's dangerous. That's title-winning form. That um, is title-winning form. And if you went back sort of 12 weeks, I said they were going to win it. So there you go. Last team to do that was Arsenal in 2002. Um, so the glory days for Arsenal fans. Um, but look, moving on from that. So Leicester City 2, Fulham 0. Ian Acho in the goals. Um, James Madison, very impressive. Any other news from the Foxes? I think so. I think it's interestingly that... Um, he had been start. Brendy had been starting with uh, Perez up top, but he sort of moved 
Perez out wide and started with Ian Acho, which tuning into the game, I was like, oh, here we go, Ian Acho. Um, But no, he took his goal rather well. It was nice to see um, Ricardo back at right back. Lovely to see him. He tore his ACL and missed a bunch of games, which really hurt Leicester. They sort of had to shuffle their whole back four and everything that sort of good coming out of that right-hand side normally comes from him. He's dangerous um, going forward, but a very good defender as well. Good game management, late doors um, from Brendy when um, he brought Amate on to sort of deal with um, Mitro. So Fulham started dinking a couple of balls into the box. So it was nice to have Amate there to sort of wrestle with uh, Mitro. Um, bit of a Chelsea connection there too at the end of the game with uh, Rodgers and Parker. They have sort of had their arms around each other, defying um, the super virus that's out there and had a bit of chat about um, the Chelsea days, I'm told. Yeah, right. Okay, because Brendy Rogers was assistant manager, wasn't he? And Scott Parker was on the bench a lot, so we had plenty of times to chat. Um, all right, so great result for the Foxes. They stay third, 42 points, two points behind Manchester United, five points behind City, reasonable run of form. But we ended the week with Chelsea 1, Tottenham 0, Gareth Bale on the bench the whole game. Pretty dismal display from Spurs. What did you think? Should Chelsea have won by more? Oh, I'm not sure they should have won by more, but I think it was just a bit. The Spurs' um, performances are starting to be intolerable, I think. I think early on in the year, Spurs fans and neutrals could you know, deal with the performances or the style of play because they're winning games and were at one point on top of the prem. So you can sort of reconcile that. You're like, okay, if we're going to win, we're going to win. That's fine. Um, but now when the results drop off and you see those type of performances and level of ambition, uh, it's just a bit dour, isn't it? Mm. I'm a big fan of Jose, so that's hard to say. But, yeah, that, that's it was so difficult to, to watch. Let me, let me give you a stat, right, which um, – I was really excited about when I saw it. So, Jose Mourinho has had 327 league games in charge at home. This is the first time ever he's lost back-to-back home league games. Think of how long Jose's been managing for. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that's north of 10 seasons, yeah. It's huge. Um, But... Look, I thought Spurs were very disappointing. Um, one person, again, I was really impressed with is, was Callum Hudson-Odoi. Really enjoying him as a right wing back. It lets him get involved in the game. and It sort of lets him touch everything as well. But um, another impressive performance from him. Mateo Kovacic seems to have found a, um, a new lease on life as well in the midfield. I thought he was a driving force behind everything for them. I thought... Carlos Vinicius was particularly disappointing from Spurs. I don't think he got anywhere near the ball. And I think that might go back to Deli Alley's point where we defend, 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 and then play long balls. Maybe, but also he hasn't seen a lot of game time. Like essentially he just does not play unless something happens to Harry Kane. And now something's happening to Harry Kane and he gets sort of shipped in there to say Save um, us. <laughs> Yeah, do something. And he's like, Well, hang on, I haven't played for six months. Yeah. Yeah. So that like he was very disappointing. Sun just couldn't impose himself on the game at all. I thought maybe um, Edward Mendy might play Spurs back into the game a couple of times there. Doesn't look particularly confident on the ball, does he? <laughs> no, quite the opposite. But good to see Serge Aurier back in the squad. I know he had that. I know he got that early mark the other week. Um, and now oh, he's back in. 
He was pretty awful. And, and made, no, I thought he made one good tackle, but yeah, defensively he's a bit bit of a nightmare. But um, he did make one tackle late doors. I think it was on Werner. So has, sort of has, Tuchel, has Tuchel turned Chelsea around already? Oh, too early for that, isn't it? Too early for that chat. Uh, pretty pretty impressive, and they just no, pretty impressive. It's, too... it's impressive to grind a game out against a Jose Mourinho team as well. That's true. Um, I think he's the first Chelsea manager to start with a couple of clean sheets too. So um, nice little stat there. Let's talk about the penalty from given away by Dyer, I believe it was on Werner. <sighs> what you, pen? Yes. What's what's he doing? That's so. That looks so clumsy that it was painful to watch. Like you can, he's just like flailing limbs at him. But he's he can, laying down on the ground, swinging legs. Yeah, he, and then like, Werner's so, smart enough to just put his foot there. <laughs> Werner can't, like Werner showed. I thought Werner showed excellent pace to get um, in there in the first place. But then Dyer gets on the wrong side of him and then goes to ground. So like he's already done. Like Eric Dyer's a pretty good player, but he made a couple of really bad decisions in a row there. So he's on the wrong side of him. Then he goes to ground. So once he goes to ground and misses, he's like, "Oh no, I'm in trouble here." So then he just lashes out at him and clips him. Like not lashes out, but just sort of he's like, oh shit, I'm done here. And there's no way Werner would have scored that. Werner would have put no. that. He would have put that no, in the yeah. stands, kicked it back to Leipzig. No danger. Um, and then, so what do you think about? I know we discussed Werner taking the penalty to get a goal to um, get his confidence, but it was given to Jorginho, who took it rather well. Yeah, I'm glad he got away. Like got rid of that stutter step, Jorginho. Um, it just takes too long for him to hit a penalty, and that's sort of Bruno Fernandez's thing too. So um, and Pogba, he, which yeah. is um, a horrendous penalty record. <laughs> yeah, um, but Jorginho's missed a couple lately, but he tucked it home quite um, quite easily. So great result for Chelsea, three points. Hard to believe they're up to sixth. So already the crap that Frank Lampard has left behind is being swept away by a real manager and Thomas Tuchel. Wow. Um, wow. Spurs down to eighth. They have a game in hand, but they have looked absolutely dire the last couple of weeks. So, not good news for Spurs. Not good news for Spurs. So, that is the review done. We are going to move on to the sponsored section of the pod, the Premier League preview, which is brought to you by our friends at American Express. American Express has given us two offers, Job. Two two credit card offers, 100,000 points when you sign up initially. And both of the links are in the show notes. So thanks to American Express for keeping us afloat. Job has got a very exorbitant lifestyle that he needs to keep up. But let's get in to the preview. Where should we start? We'll go start Big with Arsenal. Event. Yeah, Villa Park. Yeah, Villa Park. So Aston Villa currently sitting in ninth position. Take on Arsenal in 10. So this is a genuine mid-table Cliffhanger. Who do you like in this one? Who do you like in this one? And why can't Arsenal handle Jack Grealish? (laughs) Well, interesting to see what Arsenal do with their back four and their their keeper. What's left of them? (laughs) And and their keeper. But I think mm, probably just given the outs that Arsenal have got, um, I think Abamyang he's still still not right. He started on the bench the last game. I'm not sure he'll start. Possibly they'll just stick with Lacazette. Up top, so I think I'm probably going to go with a draw here. I think um, Villa can do some damage. I just said Grealish there. Barkley looks in uh, reasonable form. Ollie Watkins picked up a couple of goals in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I think I'm just going to go with draw here. Um, and Arteta, the pressure to pile up on him. 
What do you think? So I am going to go against you here. I'm actually going to go with Aston Villa. Um, I think they've got enough. I think the problem for Arsenal is Hector Bellerin. I don't think he'll be able to handle Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish running him all day. Bellerin gets caught out of position way too often. Um, so I think Jack Grealish is going to give him some real problems out there. And I think without Louise, like, uh, like you've got Rob Holding and maybe Gabrielle in there. Potentially Cedric will start out on the left. I think Tierney's still out. So I actually think Villa are going to win this one. Yeah, okay. We'll see. Brave, brave. very brave, but... Um, Especially their run of form. Villa, not in the best form. Loss, win, loss, win, loss. You're saying now it's a win. Sure for a win, yeah, it should be. That sounds about right. That feels right for me. So I'm going to go with Villa. I think Ollie Watkins will probably open the scoring too, but I wouldn't put the house on it. Get ready for a big Jack Grealish display. Okay. Um, what are we saying? The next one's a bit of a snooze fest and um, probably the snooze fest of the week. Burnley at home to Brighton. Gosh, you going to get the boys up? What's happening here? Jeez, I, I don't know if this is a snooze fest. I reckon Brighton are an entertaining team to to watch. They play like good football. They move the ball around. Well, there's a lot of movement going on as well. And I think they'll fancy themselves against Burnley too to play a bit of football. So I think this I think this could be a better game than it looks. I think Daishi's boys are going to park it. And then hopefully, I think, hopefully we see the dynamic duo of Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes up against the Webster dunk white combination. Some real technicians in there. Oh, I thought it was Xavi, Iniesta and Co back there. Um, but no, look, it could be well for the physical. I'm tipping, I'm tipping a head injury in this game, like a cut head, I think, at, at some point in the game. <laughs> yeah. No, there's but, probably going to be cards in this game as well, to be fair. Um, but I think I'm going to go a draw in this one as well. I think, obviously, Brighton are um, on a bit of a bump at the moment. It puts clear of the relegation zone. Um, but I think Burnley, have, although they've been dropped a couple of points recently, um, most recently at Man City, I think, obviously, they're not the games that will keep them up. So, I think, yeah, they'll be good enough to um, to get a draw out of Brighton. And I think... With sort of Fulham, um, West Brom, and Sheffield all having very difficult fixtures, which we'll come to, um, yeah, I think a point would be just fine for Burnley and give them another piece of breathing space. Yeah, I'm going with Brighton in this one. I think they're just too good for Burnley. And I think the bump from the Liverpool game is going to really push them on. All right, let's head up north to the Toon. Newcastle at home to Southampton. The longest trip in Premier League travel. Yes, I know. <laughs> Finish that sentence off strongly. I was wondering where that was going to go. Um, so, I was halfway yeah. through a Google search. So. <laughs> so, um, been there. So, look, I I think Southampton are, are really struggling at the moment. Like Numbers-wise, they're two red cards, that 9-0. But last time they bounced back so bravely from the 9-0. And Newcastle aren't that good. And... I think I still think Newcastle are going to have enough here, and I think Newcastle. Really? Are going to have enough here. Oh no, I, Southampton! The, they'll get a reaction. You can't lose nine 0 and not have a reaction. I think they'll get a reaction. I think they'll be too good for Newcastle. Newcastle look like a little bit weak at the moment, um, and unless Wilson decides to turn up and play, um, they're in big trouble. So I think Southampton's going to do. Them. Really, I'm interested to see if um, we're going to see more minutes for one of my favourite players in the league, Alan St. Maximum. He's been eased back in, but with all these players out at the back, 
this could be the time to unleash the great man. Two wins in the last 10 games between them. So, Yeah, it's not a bad run of form. <laughs> I would think if, if, you could, if both teams could lose it, I'd bet on that. <laughs> All right, so I'm going with Newcastle. You're going with the Saints. Come on, St. Maximin. Prove me right. Next one is Fulham uh, at home to a rejuvenated West Ham. Who do you like in this one? This one's easy, isn't it? West Ham are going to do it. I think the the form that they're in, um, I think they'll be far too strong for, for Fulham. Fulham a bit low on confidence. I think this could drift from Burnley, as I said. If Burnley pick up a point um, or Brighton pick up a point, I think this could spell trouble for Fulham. Um, interesting to see what team Moisey goes with, whether, whether he sticks um, with... Uh, Sort of Lingard out wide. I know he played Antonio and, and, and Suchek um, as well, but I mean that game wasn't too long ago. So whether they can all turn around, especially Antonio, but I think West Ham will still have too many weapons to get it done. West Ham, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying West Ham right now. So I think they'll beat them, and I think they'll beat them by a few. Um, I'm as I said before, I'm loving the Declan Rice Thomas Suchek midfield combination. Suchek is a goal scoring machine. Um, and I am a huge fan of Mikel Antonio, plus that depth in the front third. Like they can just they've got so many weapons now, West Ham, and like all those players that I rattled off earlier in that front sort of three, they're all slightly different. Um, which I think is great because it gives them a bit of variety in the way they attack. Jay Lins is on top of his game. I think they could beat him by a few here. But also, but also I think Fulham will score. But okay. we'll come back to that. Um, speaking of sharp tools in West Ham's shed, Declan's Rice, his hairline doesn't get enough. So, yeah, throw his strong hairline in there and West Ham. Is he on the plane? Yeah, he's on the plane. Is he yeah. starting? Oh, no, nah, I don't think he's starting. Okay. No. All right, let's move on to the form team of the competition based on the last round. Uh, Manchester United coming off a Premier League record 9-0 win against Southampton. That's 9-0. Taking on Everton. Who do you like in this um, one? Well, first, I've got a couple of corrections there. Form no. team, I'm not so sure because Man City won 13 in their last 13. But what did they do in their last um, game? And when you say Premier League record, um, Premier League equaling record because Leicester also beat them 9-0. Now we've got the admin out of the way. We'll move on to the game. Um, Manchester United, and actually you named the game wrong. Actually, one more thing. You named the game wrong. This is the Moisey Derby, as everyone knows. Um, But I think, yeah, I think Man U, with the um, confidence I have from last week, they'll be far too strong for Everton. Everton a bit patchy at the moment, as I said, with form. It sort of seemed to be up and down every week, whereas I think you can rely on Manchester United's consistency a little bit more. The last couple of games for Everton, loss, win, draw, loss, win. So, as I said, a bit patchy. Um, So, especially with Manchester United at home, I'm going with United. So, Manchester United have lost one of their last 27 home Premier League games against Everton. Do you know who the Manchester United manager was when they lost that home game against Everton? Moisey. Moisey, the little slug. He only came came across (laughs) to get into the camp. The chosen one. Yeah, but Manchester United's home form this year has been quite patchy for some reason. Um, so I don't know if you can really lock this one in. Their away form is obviously much better. But I don't know. I think Everton, good win during the week. Manchester United should have enough, but I'm just never, ever that confident anymore with this team. Like You just don't know when they're going to turn up. And they have this habit of giving teams a bit of a start. And I think if you give Everton a bit of a start, that could be all they need to get on top of you. So... I think Manchester United should still have enough, but I think it's going to be quite tight and fairly cagey affair. 
All right, let's move on to Spurs at home to West Brom. Big Sam, is he any chance here? Yep. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Spurs, Spurs are absolute shite right now. Absolute shit. And I reckon, like, uh, Jose Mourinho would be sitting next to Harry Kane in his hospital bed or at home, whatever, right now, like a, like a, like some sort of magician trying to get him fixed because they are terrible without Harry Kane. That game plan is so reliant on everyone else defend and then Kane and Son create. Like they, they were just, I thought they were poor against Chelsea and I thought they were absolutely abhorrent the week before. So I think West Brom are a chance for a point here. What do you reckon? Yeah, we said that last week, didn't we? That um, Spurs don't rely on a system, they rely on plays. Um, so obviously when you take one of those plays out, you have to change the whole whole style of play. So... Yeah, but I think like as bad as Spurs have been, Big Sam's West Brom have just been even worse. And just the amount of goals that they're conceding is just horrendous. Yeah. Um, the most goals conceded in the Premier League by quite a long way. They've conceded 52 goals. 52 they've conceded. Um, and just to make that clear, they are only um, one point ahead of Sheffield United who have only conceded 35. So, yeah, I just think they're too too weak at the back and I think Spurs will, given the players that they've got, will be um, too good and will get three points. So where's the Spurs goals going to come from on the weekend? Gareth Bale. Sonny. <laughs> Gareth Bale. Lucas Moura. Yeah, I reckon that – yeah, all right. Well, let's see. I reckon – you reckon Jose will let the, um, let the shackles off a little bit? I think he will because it's safe to do so here and I think you'll get rewards for it if you, if you do it against West Brom. Yeah, they are quite calamitous back there. So, all right, so you're going Spurs. I'm going to go Spurs as well, but I think West Brom are a chance here based on how crap Spurs have been the last couple of weeks. So we move on to what I would think is a super Sunday, Monday Australia. So we've got Wolves versus Leicester. What will this game produce? Three points for Leicester, I would presume. Um, Leicester going away from home, which will be just fine for them. I think with the players that they're getting back, I mentioned Ricardo um, in the review. I think just having him back just gives Leicester just so much down that right-hand side. Um, he's a Rolls-Royce of a right-back, and I can't believe a bigger team hasn't sort of cottoned on that he exists. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking Leicester. I think Madison's form has been good. He got two assists last week. Um I suppose the other side of him is the week before that where he sort of gave away those two balls in key areas and Leicester copped a couple of goals, which was disappointing. Um, but, yeah, I think he, his form will carry through and I think Leicester will be too good. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I want Wolves to be better, but they're just not doing it right now. So they actually haven't won consecutive games in the Premier League this season, which I find just outstanding for a team that was so consistent last year. Um, I... The only thing in the back of my head that's saying that Leicester may not win this game is the absence of Jamie Vardy. I don't think Ian Archo is good enough against the the better teams, and I think you see Wolves, that header last week, mate. Oh, I've seen some absolute crap from him as well. Um, I think Madison put that on a platter for him; he couldn't miss. So, uh, I a part of me thinks that Leicester could slip up here without Vardy, but yeah, Madison was excellent during the week, and I think he's going to be the key man again this weekend. Um, so I'm actually going to go for a draw in this one with no Vardy. Boring. Yeah, yeah. Err on the side of caution. So Wolves speaking, down in 16th, Leicester in third. 
the the table's lying again. But look, let's move on. Um, Speaking of boring, Manchester City versus Liverpool at Anfield. Liverpool have sort of, you know, just stumbled their way into this fixture. City have won 13 straight. John Stones is flying. Who's going to win this one? And then is Klopp's job in trouble after this one? No, as much as you hate Klopp, I don't think his job is in any type of danger. This is definitely the match of the round. Really looking forward to this. I think it's probably coming at a bad time for Liverpool given their injuries and run of form. So obviously the injuries have been well played out at the back, but the run of form of their front couple of players too it just hasn't been there. Um, and I think given their tough run of form and given how ruthless Man City is at the back and have conceded the least amount of goals in the Prem. They only conceded two shots um, in their last fixture as well. I just think they'll be too tight at the back. So I think that'll result in a clean sheet for Man City. And then it's a matter of can Man City's um, sort of front four get at Liverpool's defenders. And I think given uh, Given who Liverpool have at the back there, I think the answer is very much yes to that. So I know Aguero, but Jesus has been okay. I think Sterling's um, touched a couple home recently as well. So no De Bruyne either for this fixture, but I think that Man City will still have enough and will get it done away to Liverpool. And I think at that point we can close the book on this title race. Oh, geez, that is very, very early. Um, Great man. yeah, I, the I don't think Liverpool can compete in this game, to be honest, unless they get the two at least the like two big injuries right now. Back, so they need Allison back. So he was out with an illness the other day. Jurgen has stated that it wasn't COVID nineteen related; it was just an illness. Um, Jot is out for a couple of weeks. Sadio Mane is a doubt. Obviously, VVD is still out. So without Gomez, like, that's it. Out. Yeah, but they've just they've made a new signing of a Turkish centre back from the worst team in the Bundesliga, so potentially that could solve it. Um, yeah, look, I think City will win this. I think City will win it by a few. I think it's going to be a statement performance from Pep's boys. So they're currently seven points above Liverpool with a game in hand. So win here, that's ten points above. Still in a game in hand. I wouldn't say the title's won. There's a small matter of Manchester United chasing hard, but um, yeah, I think it's a big week for Man City if they can get the three points. And I, I just can't see Liverpool winning without those key players. And they've all come at such a bad time for them. And their run is terrible from here as well. Interesting that you think... So so let's go back to the title race then. So you're saying that if Man City win this that and they've still got a game in hand on Liverpool, that gap um, will move to, what, 10 points 10 with a game in hand to, to possibly be 13 points. So you're closing the door on Liverpool at that point for a title race? 13 points? Yeah, I think 13 points is too much to make up. Okay. And then they'll be 11 points ahead of Leicester, equal on games, yep. closing the door on Leicester? Uh, 11, no, they'll be eight points ahead of Leicester, but 11 if they have that game in hand. So, yep, so I'm a closing door on Leicester. Uh, without right. Jamie Vardy, I think. So. Okay. Oh, it's Jamie Vardy. Yeah, so and Ollie's got, a great so hope. So you're just saying that, Ollie, it's a two-horse race. That's what you're saying. Yeah, the Manchester clubs, the biggest clubs in the land. Um, well, it's like it seems that way. The way Liverpool just like based on away form, Manchester United can compete, but um, like they're going to be the closest mathematically. 
which which which, which says which says horrible things for the rest of the league um, as everyone stumbles away. But yeah, I just like I can't, Liverpool just. They just seem to have every time they seem to be getting some sort of run of form together, a key player gets injured, and it really seems to have a negative impact on the squad. And they have yeah, it's like funny a, that how key players <laughs> injuries have just, a negative impact on the squad. But like in a club that's so like so well established with the way that they play, um, and like we've been quite complimentary around how players can come into that system and straight away know the system, know that if I'm at left back, I do this, this, and this. If I'm at right back, I do this, this, and this. Jordan Henderson can move to centre back and still do those key things. Um, so it impacted them less, but just like the weight of these injuries are starting to add up and these yeah. shock results. Like, and these results are like, you know, losing to Brighton, losing to Burnley. It's not like you're getting, you know, a draw at West Ham or something where you're like, oh, you know, that's it's a shock, but it's not completely unbelievable. These results are ridiculous. Yeah, but they're not, they're not to, like, they're not sort of covering, um, you know, one injury at, at left back, one injury at centre mid, and, and two injuries at centre back. Like, they've literally lost like, four of their preferred centre-backs. Like, they're down to, you know, fifth and sixth choice at, yeah. at, in certain positions. So, yeah. World-class players given, too, like, absolutely world-class players. Like, VVD, yeah, Mane, I, Allison, like. I think given their um, injuries and sort of their their luck recently, I think they're still doing rather well to be fourth. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm just sick of hearing Klopp and his stupid excuses. All right. Oh, um, <laughs> And his hats. Um, all right, so that wraps it up. So last one we have is Sheffield United, Chelsea, Tuchel's men versus Wilder. Can Chris Wilder be the first person to beat Tuchel? No. Tuchel will get this done. This game seems relatively straightforward for me. And if this is not in the upcoming multi, I don't know which game it would because <laughs> yeah. it is a lock. Pat it up. Get your dollar 13 for this one. Um, all right, so look, let's move on. That's it. We're done. Yeah, where are we going we gotta, now? We've got to do no, this. we've got a multi. We've got a multi. All right, so... <laughs> so, Roger's called in sick this week, uncovid 19 related. So, I'm going to step mm, into the hot seat and I am going to go on err on the side of conservative and then I'm going to go towards my bias. So, first leg is Chelsea to beat Sheffield United and Sheffield United not to score. So that's yep, like one. I'm happy with that. And how much are we getting for that? Do you know? Uh, done off the top of my head. Um, I actually set this multi up and then forgot to hit submit. But so Sheffield United not to score and Chelsea to win. So that's leg one. Leg two is Manchester City to win both halves against Liverpool. Ooh, that's tough. That's, that's big. Tough but City keep scoring early, which is why they're having so much comfort in their games. And I think they're going to score early again here based on what Liverpool's back four looks like and potentially the absence of Allison. So City to win both halves. So that's quite exotic. So we've got Manchester United to win. I'm not going to go with anything exotic there because I think you'll get some juicy. I think you get about $2.05 for that. So that's that. And then final one is back to my bias. So I've got West Ham to beat Fulham and Mikel Antonio to score at any time. So I think you're looking at about $13 for that. So $10 will get you $130. Oh, that's not too bad. And I like that last bet um, as long as Antonio's body hangs together long enough to get onto the bus. Good news is, if he doesn't play, the bet's void and you get your money back. So that's, that's why you t- take an injury, take a, take a punt on these players. Um, but look, that's it. So that's the multi this week, Roger. If you're listening, and I know you are, 
Um, the bar has been get set well early. Yeah, get well soon. The bar's been set high by me, and we will discuss this next week. Um, some people think I might be a supercomputer and I'm not a real person, and this week we'll be the judge. All right, hit everyone with the socials and let's get All out right. of here. Uh, if, you want, if you want to get in touch with us, it's uh, email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Facebook, footballplayedonpaper, Insta, at footballplayedonpaper, Twitter, at footballplayedonpods. Po- I'd like to thank our good friends at American Express as well. And don't forget to give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Right. Come on, you foxes. 